Hello listener, welcome to another episode of the Youthful and Useful podcast where we discuss topics and ideas that empower young people to become leaders and change makers in their communities. I'm your host, Joy Igbinidion. In commemoration of the International Women's Day annually held on the 8th of March, with this year's theme being Digital, Innovation and Technology for Gender Equality. We have a special guest on this episode. Her name is Amanda Obedike, and we are thrilled to have her on the show today. Amanda is a passionate advocate for STEM education and entrepreneurship in Africa. Just in case you're wondering what STEM means, STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. She is the founder of STEM I Makers Africa, an organization that empowers young people with skills and knowledge in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Amanda is also a constituent of the Leap Africa Social Innovators Program Fellowship. On today's episode, we'll talk about Amanda's journey into STEM education and what led to her founding STEM I Makers Africa. We'll also discuss her views on gender equality and how technology can be leveraged to address gender inequality in Africa. So sit back, relax, and join me as we engage with Amanda on this exciting episode of the Youthful and Useful podcast. Hi, Amanda. It's great to have you on the show today. Yes, thank you so much, Joy, and uh, thank you so much, Leap Africa, for giving me the opportunity to come on board this session. All right, we'll just dive right into the conversation. And, you know, I'd like, I'd like to start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in, in STEM education and entrepreneurship. You know, why STEM of all the fields out there? Okay, uh, thank you, uh, Joy. Uh, I really am so excited about this session because um, apart from being in the month of March where, you know, it's International Women's Month, it's also um, a very key and um, strategic time in our lives as Nigerians, you know, coupled up that we just uh, concluded the presidential election and uh, next week we're also having a gubernatorial election on, you know, state level. So, um, first things first, uh, my name is Amanda Obidike. I'm proudly Nigerian and um, STEMI Makers Africa was um, an organization that I established in the year 2018. STEMI is an acronym for Science, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics and Innovation. So uh, the concept began in 2018. Okay, so I finished the university 2016. And, um, you know, there's this good mentality of our parents where you finish from the university, they want you to get to a certain level of self-reliance and, you know, a certain level of responsibility and independence. I finished the university, I started working in an FMCG organization, but um, one year down the line, two years down the line, I felt so demoralized and demotivated. I just felt that it was just about nine to five, no input, no platform for learning, no platform for uh, ability to uh, apply critical thinking, no creativity in short. So um, I got bored of the job. I just felt tired and exhausted. So uh, one day I just uh, started to Google uh, certain kind of skills that I can add into my existing job just to ensure that I have a unique proposition that I am going to be giving either to my employer or to another employer, maybe if I apply for a job. 
then I started to realize that, um, you know, people that graduated from the university with me, I studied business management in the university, but I found out that, uh, you know, uh, young talents who, you know, finished uh, computer science and engineering had this edge than me. You know, because they had they had to do a lot of uh, apply a lot of technical um, activities and skills into the work that they do. So I got this opportunity to be trained by the IBM, and it was on data science and business intelligence. Now this was very interesting because when I even went in for the mock test, I didn't you know meet up to the the score. But I, somebody just took a liking to what I, uh, you know, the passion that I was bringing in. And they also wanted to like address this underrepresentation that you have for women because we had very few girls that applied to this opportunity. So I started these two weeks uh, marathon, if I can use that word, to be um, well uh, knowledgeable in business intelligence. And um, it was a beautiful journey. But, you know, back to, you know, our parents' uh, mentality or, you know, the family mentality, you finish this kind of uh, training and before then you had pitched to your parents saying, oh, this is an amazing thing. This is what the world needs. Uh, by the time I finish, I will have a good job, X, Y, Z, you know, and that was the expectation that they were uh, having when I finished the, uh, the training. So, um, but I started thinking in what I said, it's still going to be the same thing if I get this training and sink myself into the job markets you know it may get to a time where five years down the line i feel so bored again why don't i start an initiative that serve as a knowledge panel or a go-between where i can ensure that young people like me can transition from education to employment because it's something that we lack in the tertiary institution so i that was how i birthed STEMI, and STEMI was not just because I, I, I love business intelligence or data science that I just got trained into, but exploring other career opportunities around science, technology, engineering, mathematics. So that was how I got started with STEMI. I created as an NGO where we train teachers because we realized that majority of young people in the, uh, when not even in the university, secondary schools, we lack education counselors. You find out that you, you just enter this class without of maybe sentiment or maybe your mom said you sh this would be better for you, but not what you have identified as as your edge or what you really love. So we started training educators in terms of knowing how to put practical resource tools, applying resource skills and activities into their classroom just to ensure that students don't find uh, mathematics or intro tech to be very difficult but very exciting so it's been a wonderful journey after all but the the, the summary of this uh, background is i tried to identify a need something that i knew that i didn't only lack but young people like me also lacked where you know they cannot transition from education to employment you go to the university coming out you, you can't really gather or you can't really identify something you can do for the workforce. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited just listening to you give us this background into how you started it, you know, and I, I think that this is very laudable that you, you found that gap. It was a gap for you, but you also recognize that it was a gap for a lot of other people and you're, you're able to fill 
that gap in your own way. Well done, really well done, Amanda. When you were speaking, you you had mentioned that when you went for you know in the application process, they took a liking to you, and there weren't so many females. You know, there weren't so many women applying at the time. And just, this just brings me to ask this question: that how do you think innovation and technology can really help address gender inequality in Africa? I mean, also looking at it through through the lens of the 2023 Women's Day. Um, International Women's Day theme that says digital innovation and technology for gender equality. You know, how do you think it can really help address that gender inequality in Africa? Wow, thank you so much, Joy. Um, okay, so before I respond to that question, I just want to share this amazing survey that I saw on the web platform where uh, this survey states that the ICT, that's the Information and Communication Technology Sector, contributed 18.44% to Nigeria's GDP. Now, this GDP is just in the second quarter of 2022 alone. And this same survey projected that ICT, uh, the, the ICT industry is projected to experience more leap in the future. This was 18.44% contribution to the GDP of Nigeria in the second quarter. So that already tells you the, the, the wealth of possibilities, the wealth of opportunities that African, African countries can harness. A more of bringing or including gender inside. Let me also share one story that happened to us last month before, you know, I just give us like um, uh, bits of how we can, you know, address gender inequality. Uh, last month was uh, February 11th was the International Day of Women and Girls in Science. Uh, the idea was to pick girls in uh, uh, local communities, underserved communities, to, you know, highlight the importance of them exploring science-related subjects. And we thought, why can why don't we do things differently? And I said, okay, we can do a film show, a realistic film show where these girls get to be inspired by women scientists who were underrepresented in their spaces, but did amazing, giving their milestone. So we started to research. Sadly, Joy, we realized that we don't even have a cutout or a tailored documentary in the African continent that talks about women's stories. Now that's the problem. Wow. Uh, I just realized that, okay, yeah, we saw Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures is an American movie. Picture yeah. Scientist is an American movie. So we were like, what is going on? And I said, yes, this is also another problem. And I think we need to start looking at how we can forge partnerships with create creatives to identify these women in, in, in the continent who are doing amazing and have a documentary. So... In as much as that we were pondering and it was sad, we had to, through partnership with uh, UN uh, OSWD, we got filming rights from BBC Storyworks to have a picture a scientist movie because, you know, it's not for sale. You have to get a license. We aired this movie for these girls and they were literally crying, you know, because they haven't seen such a movie before. They haven't seen hidden figures before. They were so inspired. But then in my heart, I'm like, there is more to this. So these movies is cut out for the American uh, uh, states. It's cut out for the uh, Western world. But we don't have any realistic uh, movie in the continent. So that tells you that we need to start building 
infrastructures where we can highlight stories of women because by the time you start highlighting these stories of women they unconsciously start to tell themselves that if mrs a for example did this i can do this in her situation so um, a remedy for this is also mentorship i really love mentorship mentorship is something that has helped me when i grew i didn't have mentors when i was young so i knew how it affected my my life you know in the university and uh, mentorship is not just only about impacting these girls but it's about telling them your your story letting them know where you came from so we for example we see uh, you see people oh i want okonjo ewala inspires me xyz inspires me that's amazing but then okonjo ewala would not be that patient to mentor you she has quite a lot of things doing there are a lot of c level women that even look up to her so i tell people yes these people inspire you but you need to start connecting with people that you can have access to because mentorship is all about access another remedy is job shadowing job shadowing is something that we don't often see in the in the continent especially in Nigeria job shadowing plays a great role so you have undergraduates or you have underemployed people they want to launch themselves into the market but they don't know how to you know uh, our system is not too cut out for meritocracy where maybe you know somebody the person puts you in we need to have this platform where we have good partnership and good collaboration with private entities public entities to see how we can match these girls into this space because it's not just about having this uh, addressing this gender inequality these girls also need the confidence to be retained in the in the workspace Then another remedy that's the final one is to upskill women with in-demand technology skills. It's very important. You look at the statistics of women that we have in artificial intelligence. You look at the statistics of women that we have in data science. It's at a low. Um, I saw one that said we have just 4.1 women percent in the AI space. So we we need to start being conscious about this and start forging partnerships. Partnerships. I I I love partnerships. We need to have this synergy with private uh, and esteemed organizations to see that you have this value, you have this vision. Maybe they have the resources, they have the money. How can we bring all this to a center table and to to see that this is being addressed? Fantastic! That that was a very um, enlightening response you gave with all of the data and just the pointers you you also shared with us. And what what I really hear, you know, from your response is that. the opportunities abound in technology in the tech space for women to help project the abilities of women such that we're able to now begin to bridge that gap in gender inequality you know so you also touched on mentorship and collaborations really partnerships mentorship and that is so important so i'd like you to you know speak some more to the importance of of mentorship in providing opportunities in the tech space Okay, thank you so much Joy. Um I would like to share an approach that I feel is very very sustainable. So, I'm a big fan of mentorship. Uh but I've been looking at it differently where you try to mentor the bedrocks. Now, this bedrock I mean is the your edu- the educators, the teachers, the principals. There are a lot of times where you do a survey, you find out that sadly they don't have enough resources to impact on these students they don't have guidance they don't have confidence themselves because it's when you have confidence as a person that you can pass on this particular confidence so importance of mentorship 
transcends and uh, it goes beyond just the students. It also has a lot to do on the, the teacher level. The importance of mentorship is vast, but in as much as we are also talking about the importance, we should also look at who the drivers of this mentorship will be. It should not just only cut or around me as a person or as a maybe uh, an NGO person or you or Leap Africa. It should also sink down, dive down into the educators. Amazing. So the importance of mentorship goes beyond just the young girls. You know, it extends to the people who teach the young girls. And and, and I know that you've mentioned confidence a number of times, and it just speaks to how important confidence is and the role that even mentorship plays in building the confidence of young people. Um, thank you so much, Amanda. This brings me to ask the question about partnership. I'd like for you to expand um, on, on that, you know, on how STEMI collaborates with other organizations in promoting STEM education and even entrepreneurship, you know, in Africa. Okay, thank you so much, Joy. Um, partnership <laughs> and collaborative relationship, uh, it's, I always tell people, it's like the key thing as an NGO as or as a social enterprise because it's just about complementing ourselves with the resources that we don't have but you know another person or another organization have so um for example uh, collaboration with in the organizations the first organization that uh, we had partnership with was um it was my mom's <laughs> NGO now, the funny thing was, you know, I just got started. I think we've not even registered as at that time. And my mom has this NGO, it's a women empowerment program. They also have like a library for, for students. So I, you know, I didn't want to say, okay, maybe because of I'm familiar with her and she's my mom and she has her audience. She, at least she, she, um, she works and uh, does a lot of work around communities. So why not I just penetrate? And I had a lot of STEM tools. I have this fetish of, you know, when I see children, I just want to buy toys for them. I just want to buy something that's going to use, rather uh, uh, make them think, you know. Not that I don't like football and everything, but I always have this fetish that, why don't you give some a, a, a child, for example, like a Rubik or a puzzle to solve, rather than them, you know, doing X, Y, Z. So I brought in this tools stem resource tools and i know she has quite a lot of children that you know are under the ngo and you know i started doing this saturday uh program with them now what i'm saying this is i didn't i, I just said i needed to start from somewhere who are the community-based organizations that i can work with because for example they have the audience i don't have the audience okay so it's just about complimenting then the second one we had which you know i was able to gather milestones and doing xyz with them we had to partner with the u.s consulate general but i can tell you for free that that partnership has extended and has expanded our reach you know because uh we've won like we've won several grants with the consulates but it's just a thing in nigeria where maybe someone googles what you are doing and they say oh wow, this person has done something with consulate, we can penetrate with them because they understand that, you know, at that level is a very competitive thing. So for, for them to be winners or for them to be awarded these grants, it shows that they know what they are doing. So it has been one thing after the other. But why I'm sharing, I had to share this story with you is that 
we should understand that collaboration is a new competition. I have partnered with STEM organizations like myself in Tanzania, in Botswana, in Kenya, right? Now, I do that because I don't have a physical office per se in these uh, countries, but I have uh, Tanzanians or South Africans in this country who are well established, for example, or they have their space, they have their audience, and bringing in the resources. So it was just about synergizing and it has been amazing. So if we have this mentality that we need to collaborate cross-sector, private institution, uh, public institution, your reach will be amazing. And um, sorry, I just wanted to key in. I just realized that I didn't respond to the B part of your last question in terms of how uh, Semi Makers Africa provide, provides mentorship opportunities, which is kind of connected to this present question. So we have this program called Project Kongoza Mentoring Program. Kongoza is a Swahili language and it means to lead. So our, our motto is empowering women and girls to lead. Uh, this, you know, stem in COVID where we, we should really have mentorship program, but just for secondary school girls. But this kind of, we tripled our impact in during COVID when we realized that we did a program in Tanzania and we found out that uh, two girls that were 15 years old as at that time were pregnant. And that's because while uh, 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 schools that had the resources could, you know, um, engage students with online learning. These girls in rural communities, they didn't have access to school, they didn't have access to online platform, they didn't have access to resource tools. So, you know how they say, and I don't mind it, the devil's workshop. So, this kind of, you know, affected them. So, we started saying, why don't we have this mentoring program during this period where we can engage girls, we can make them busy until COVID, uh, 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 you know, goes and then you know, they can go back to their school. It was amazing because when we had this call out for uh, ment mentees, we had a thousand plus applications. But now coming back to the continent, we had say, okay, call for mentors. We had less than 40 women <laughs> that, you know, could sign up for, to sign up as mentors. And we started saying, wow, this is a problem. Indeed, we really have a lot of underrepresentation of women and girls in STEM. Uh, so we said, okay, we need to come back to these mentors and see how we can change our concepts from maybe one one to one uh, a mentor, like one mentor, one mentee, to four girls paired to a mentor. Now it was really, really tough because you know uh, these men, women are doing things in their spaces, in the academia, in their profession, etc. But I, I, I really am so thankful that they were open to that. We give them strategies where you can say, create a WhatsApp group, just you and the four girls, drop drop uh, uh, assignments, drop uh, your story via voice note, just to ensure that these conversations keep going. I'm thankful that, you know, a lot of them were open to, you know, doing this, even if we, you know, kind of put them in an, a very, very uncomfortable situation. But one thing is clear, they knew that the gap was there. And it was just a way of them lending their voices, lending their support, and lending uh, their stories to these girls. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amanda. You know, there was something you mentioned. You said collaboration, new competition. And it just reminded me of a saying that if you want to, if you want to go fast, 
go alone but if you want to go far you know go with people literally if you need to, if you want to go far collaborate and I, I like that you shared the stories that you shared because it just it showed the the trajectory of your collaborations you know you started with what was available you started where you were you know and that just speaks to horizontal collaborations and vertical collaborations you know starting where you are you didn't go for the international collaborations immediately you started with what you had and you know that gave that sort of gave you the ground to now push further and that gave you some credibility you know that enabled you to now have those collaborations with international bodies and organizations so well done well done and and that brings me Thank you. <laughs> that brings me to ask you know and and i see that you in, in in speaking to mentorship you have mentioned you've talked a lot about sharing personal stories and i believe that going that deep you know makes things more relatable for people and we'll get there we'll get there in a bit but before we get there i want you to speak to the future of stem education and entrepreneurship in africa okay wow thank you so much joy um i love the continent honestly um the last couple of years have shown me how resilient we are as not just a continent on a community level the local level in nigeria etc i mean on a daily basis you get to hear certain startups that are breaking ceilings and are closing out seed funding etc so that shows you the possibilities of um, you know what technology or system is you know ushering us in so the future looks beautiful but um there's still a lot of work that needs to be done and i'll tell you why so um we need to create an enabling environment for for these ideas to be harnessed on on a grassroots level now let me why do i say that uh there's still a lot of things that we need to start overhauling if you realize for example you go to say um hong kong or singapore or some of these asian countries you see that their curriculum for example is so practical or project based very very project based everything is practical um a child as young as 4 or 5 they're learning geophysics and you're like oh my god what is happening because on a daily basis i have nieces i have nephews i see their homework and sometimes i cry and i'm like oh my god there is a lot of things that we need to do you see um a child 10 years old in the school they give them an assignment for example they say oh print out a tree you know just print it out and that's an assignment and i'm like i, I don't understand that that you're not engaging that child that child is not able to think critically so the reason i'm saying this is we need to start learning things for the future okay and it starts from our education background we need to start looking at how to start applying instructional pedagogy whether on the teacher level project based learning on the student level that way they are caught on guarded okay there was this research i saw i i i may not get it correctly but they were saying that in some years time we wouldn't need doctors so that is telling you that the world is gradually changing but we owe ourselves the need of as the world is changing we should also move with the world so that's on an education level then on a higher level we need to start designing infrastructures and policies that are more inclusive uh one thing that i i really love what we were able to do last year 
was to see how we've got this appointment with um, the continental education strategy for Africa under the African Union. So that's just a way of helping design policies where we can have instructional pedagogy for teachers. Training should be mandatory for teachers because they understand that this is what the teacher knows that the teacher is able to cascade down to the classroom. So we need to start having this kind of conversations on a state level, on a national level, let me not even say continental level because each country has its own framework. But we need to start designing this infrastructure just to ensure that students are not left behind. Thank you so much, Amanda, for that response. And um, two things that really stood out to me that you mentioned in the areas of education and policies, you know, just reviewing and completely overhauling the curriculum if we're going to get to the future that we that we envision, you know, and also putting the right policies in place that would then lead to us also putting in place the right infrastructure, you know, because for, for the infrastructure to work, the policy has to be there to support it. You know, thank you. Thank you so much, um, Amanda. Your your responses have been very, very, very enlightening and very rich, I must say. Now, um, enjoy. I want us to go a bit deeper, you know, and take it a little more personal. Um, so in speaking, you had mentioned sharing personal stories. So I want you to share with us, you know, some of the challenges that you have encountered as a woman in the STEM field and how you've been able to deal with these challenges. Okay, yeah, so um, personally, um, for my own self, let me just start from myself as a person. I am a very reserved person. I'm not too outspoken. I don't know, it's something that I, I started like when I was young. So I'm always to myself. And you know, like they say, a closed mouth cannot be fed. I needed help, but I, approaching people was a problem for me. Uh, why I'm saying that is because, uh, you know, in the process of, you know, trying to find direction, like what next when I was in, when I was working before I started my organization, I, I needed to like understand what, what I can do next. Should I pull out? Should I stay? You know, because of fear of the unknown. So I was so close mouthed and I see that that's something that we lack as, uh, for women. Women are so shy, for example, to blow their trumpets, but so shy to approach people and all that. That posed a problem for me at the first level, you know. But, you know, I had to discover this and say, see, I need to come all out. I need to tell, tell people what the situation is and see how they can help me out. So one, that's one. But on a general scope, challenges that I face in the STEM field, yes, like I said, and facts have it, we have underrepresentation of women and girls that are in STEM field. So for me, coming into some kind of room, pitching what I do, sometimes people could do fatum, you know, because I don't know whether it was because of my my stature, I'm, I'm slim, I don't know, maybe they felt to see one chubby person, maybe probably married or X, Y, Z. So that's, there's a word that they call it. So is that kind of stereotype where there's a particular kind of countenance that they want for women. But you know, good enough, when I start pitching or start telling what I do, then you now start finding that attention being drawn away from such sentiments into the vision. So why I'm saying this is we have quite a lot, this underrepresentation that has made us to be 
there's a word I'm trying to, I'm struggling to find for it. Joy, I don't know if you can help me, but it's a way of looking at somebody, their disposition or their countenance, and you are already concluding the, uh, the kind of person that they have. So yeah. that was... So I believe it's stereotyping. I believe it's yeah, stereotyping. Stereotyping. And yeah, yeah. But there's another word. I think I'll remember it. But <laughs> that was, you know, what I faced as a woman. But it took a while. I knew that this was a problem. At least you can see it from their face. You can see it from their body languages. But it was something that I started saying, I need to strengthen my voice. I need to be more confident so that whatever you have of me, by the time I finish engaging you or, you know, finish... Not, to, not that I'm trying to win you, but I want to show you who I am outside of my skin. I just want to show you how passionate and how vision-driven I have in terms of uh, improving STEM education in the country. As we wrap up this conversation... Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I just remember the word. Profiling. Profiling. Yeah, yeah. profiling. Yeah. <laughs> profiling. <laughs> That's that. Yes, that's very correct. It's, it's profiling. And, you know, quite interestingly, I've, I've heard other women, you know, who are also doing amazing things out there. Um, I've heard them talk about these same challenges, you know, how you walk into a room, um, you tell them what you do. And they're looking at you like, OK, who are you? You're not married. Um, you're, you're saying that you are the CEO of this company, you know, it just almost speaks to your competence, mm-hmm. you know, and they already think that you're not competent because first, you're a woman, second, you're not married, um, third, you just look so small, you know. So yes, absolutely understand and relate with with these challenges that you have mentioned. Um, but I think that one, one thing I'd like to ask with regards to that is, how, how do you then manage that? You know, how do you manage that? Okay, how do I manage that? Okay, so you walk two ways. I'm not a social person, so I know how sometimes maybe this is a problem. You try to um, go all out, be more like social and everything. I'm still a <laughs> an in-house person, but the thing is, I always try to leave a lasting mark where I, wherever I am. So, for example, I have this conversation with you. I am sure, I'm very ambitious. I'm sorry, even as much as I'm reserved, I'm very ambitious. In as much as uh, I have this conversation, maybe like in an open room, I ensure that before I leave that, we leave there, I'm changing that narrative you have of me, okay? I'm changing that narrative you have of my capacity. I'm changing that narrative you have of my vision. I'm giving you numbers, I'm telling you milestones, I'm telling you possibilities, I'm giving you projections of what we are doing. It's it's automatic. I find out that, and it has worked for me because a lot of times you leave that room or you leave that conversation and they want you to continue. They want to see how, even if they're not giving you, offering you what you want, they are probably recommending you to XYZ organization and say, please reach out to them. They do this kind of program. They have this kind of partnership or sponsorship plan and everything. So it's just as a way of, still growing myself in confidence okay i believe that nobody can blow your trumpet as much as you as a person so i would rather blow my trumpet to ensure that you see what i want to do you know it's just like an organization i'm consulting for and i told them i shared with them last month i said i'm projecting that we are able we're going to be raising that's the organization that we're going to help them raise one billion naira and on that call (laughs) joy the men were laughing and i said okay they were laughing because even the owner was he was shocked but i said 
I'm going to raise one billion. So it's just a way of having this daring, this I can do all, you know, well, through Christ who strengthens me, by the way. <laughs> having that, showing them that capacity that you can lead, you can, it's not just about having that vision. You know the one, two, three steps you need to put to ensure that that is achieved. And trust me, it has won me quite a lot of um, change in uh, mindset about women who are, you know, excelling in STEM. Thank you so much. I hear you. You have to be audacious, right? And you have to also be competent. You you have to walk the talk. You can't just say that, oh, I can do this. But you have to show that, yes, indeed, you can do it. And, you know, just as, as we wrap up this conversation that has been so interesting, um, what would you, what would your advice be, you know, to women in Africa who are interested in pursuing careers in the STEM field? And even just just aside from the STEM field, generally in career, what would your advice be to women who are looking to pursue their careers? Yes. So um, I usually say this, but I think I'm going to say it differently. I tell people like young girls, budding girls in technology or in science, you know, I tell them to be free to dream and excel. Uh, me, for one thing, I'm, an, I, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I want to t- take you back to when I was, um, how old was I? I think it was eight years old, nine years old. I always scribble my, in fact, my dad kept shouting and complaining. I scribble, I take the pencil and I always scribble my signature on the uh, the sitting room wall. Like you just see some handwriting on the wall and you just know that is Uzoma. That's Uzoma is my native language. So, and I always tell them, I say, I would love to see my signature on the Naira currency, you know? And it was nine, you know, I, I still have the, that dream. Why I'm saying this is, it, start dreaming because when you dream it, you be it yourself in it you walk into it you want to know the process you apply you go by the process okay and it's something that society has kind of limited women or girls to dream or to envisage themselves in five years time i want to do xyz because it's only when you project you start looking at how you can work or how you can set up processes to to achieve that so First things first, be free to dream, be free to excel, be free to succeed, okay? I, for one thing, I'm an, ex- I'm an example. I wouldn't have known, okay, this is the f- this is the stage I'm going to be, you know, five years uh, before or four years before. But I always have this mentality that this is what I want to do. What am I going to do to apply that process? Another way I can advise girls and uh, like young women and girls trying to navigate their, themselves or navigate through uh, um, uh, um, STEM, let me not just say technology, is to see how to volunteer. <laughs> it may not be related, but I will tell you why. Volunteer taking me to places where I never imagined I would be. It's about selflessness. Yeah, I know you are putting yourself first, but I think you also need to look at the wider picture. You need to look at the social impact part of it because one of the things that drive me in STEM, STEM education, is not the money, it's not the ambience, it's not the visibility. 
It is ability to make a difference. I want to live he, uh, the world being a legend. I want to be, I want to be living where they will say X, Y, Z, Amanda, Joy were the pioneers, were the people who helped set this framework in Nigeria. Understand? That's how I see myself. So if, for example, I put myself in that being selfless, being open to serving, being volunteering, volunteering in different ways, you never know who is even in that space that is interested in what you do, that maybe probably have the X to your Y or have the A to your B. So it's just about how we can take ourselves back and see how we project ourselves into the future, see the kind of lasting man that we hope for the world to see or for your community to see or for your country to see. And you find that naturally, you, the processes get to fall in place. So in summary, I want girls to be free to dream. I want them to be free to excel. I want them to be open to learning every day. This um, year, for example, I, I had this diary. I always have this diary that I always get to share um, what I've learned, what, what what the issues were, randomly say, okay, I'm going to call five people. This I printed a diary separately where every week I write my wins. I write my failures. It may be an application that I wrote. I say, I, I would write it down that maybe, uh, the, the, maybe the results came out and, you know, I wasn't successful and everything. I document it because I want to tell my story one day. I don't want a time where people may just see you to your high rising and they may be wondering where do you, where did this person come from you should be able to have this track record of what you know life has been for you thank you so much joy wow thank you amanda thank you thank you so much for bringing yourself to this interview and you know just pouring out of the wealth of knowledge that you have Thank you so much. And, you know, as you were speaking, I was just taking note of some of the things that you were saying. And you had said, when you dream it, you become it, right? So it's it really does start with that, envisioning it, envisioning where you want to be and taking the steps that are needed to get, to get there. Volunteering, be open to learning, excel. Excellence is so important, you know, and document your journey document your journey so that you, you're able to say to people, this is how I did it. I didn't just appear from nowhere. Yeah. This is the process. This is what I went through to get to where I am. And so they also see that it is possible. Yes, it, it would take time. It would take diligence, but you would definitely get there. Thank you so much, Amanda. This, this has been a really, really, really great session. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you so much, Joy. Uh, thank you for being an amazing host. I also want to thank Joshua and the Leap Africa team <laughs> for giving me the opportunity. I'm so happy to, you know, lend my voice towards this cause. And I know that, you know, Leap Africa on its own is doing amazing in that space in terms of leadership, in terms of, of scaling youth, you know, whether on a policy level, entrepreneurship or your social enterprise, so I'm so happy to be in the number. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Youthful and Useful. We had an insightful conversation with Amanda Obidike, founder of STEMI Makers Africa, on her journey as a STEM educator and entrepreneur. 
Amanda shared with us her passion for using technology and innovation to solve problems in Africa, particularly in the areas of education and gender equality. She also talked about her experience with the challenge of profiling as a young single woman who's also a leader in the tech space and how she continues to rise above the challenge. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a lot from Amanda's experiences and insights. If you want to learn more about STEMI Makers Africa and how you can support their work, be sure to check out their website at www.stemimakersafrica.org. Amanda also talked about the importance of volunteering. So for those interested in volunteering and making a difference in Africa, Leap Africa offers various volunteering opportunities. You can visit www.leapafrica.org forward slash volunteer to learn more and apply today. Also remember to follow us on all our social media platforms at Leap Africa. And you'll find more episodes of our podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or anchor.fm forward slash Leap Africa. They're also available on the Leap Africa website at www.leapafrica.org. Thank you for listening to the Youthful and Useful podcast today. Happy International Women's Day. Bye for now.